the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Aloha and welcome to the believer's journey. And really thankful that you're uh, joining us today, that you're uh, following our program, and that you're supporting us with your prayers, your comments, your subscriptions to our um, our ministry. And I have to tell you, I got in last night about 2 o'clock in the morning from Moldova. I'm not sure if I slept three hours or four hours, but I tell you, my eyes feel like they're heavy. It's been a long morning. <laughs> if everything, anything could go wrong, it felt like it was going wrong somehow this morning. But I got to have regular breakfast. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk to you about the um, Great Commission and about uh, establishing um, disciples in, in Jesus. Uh, with, we, with, with me, we have from uh, E3 Partners, John Williams. And I'll introduce you. John, say hello. Hello. It's good to be here with you, Alan. So I've known John, oh, 15, 16 years. I don't know how Way, long, way too long. A long time. <laughs> and uh, we worked together when we were at CBC. Um, I, when I started going to Moldova, I guess, when... But you were, you were, you know, the only person I know that's a missionary that has that, that excitement that's, that takes it off the charts is probably Greg McClanahan. You know him, obviously. Oh, yeah, I know Greg. So the two of you are like, you know, two peas in a pod when it comes to <laughs> excitement, you know. And, oh, man, this is really great. You know, so I have to tell you that I, I, when I think of you and I th- or think of him, I think of the other um, just because of that excitement you have, especially for uh, mi- missions. missions. You know. So anyway, um, I want to mention to you as we uh, – as we go on right now, that uh, if you could go to my uh, YouTube uh, channel and please subscribe. We uh, could use more subscriptions, uh, more comments. I know some of you email your comments, but it, uh, whether you put them in um, Facebook or whether you put them in YouTube or you email them uh, anyway, we'll, I'll always get back to you. I'll always answer your questions or your comments. And um, anyway, so let's start off our program with John. John, tell us about uh, yourself and your movement into missions, and then we'll talk about uh, E3 Partners. Okay, sounds good. I'll just tell you about the family to start with. I uh, just hit last week, 42 years, my wife, Janelle, and we've got five kids, uh, two that we had also but, but passed away uh, it's just in utero. Uh, so we count all seven, and we've got 14 grandkids. So that's a, a new era in our life over the last several years is just seeing the, uh, the family extend. Uh, we've lived here in San Antonio uh, for well over 30, actually 45 years that I've lived here. My wife grew up here. And uh, uh, we uh, found the Lord, both of us, when we were teenagers through Youth for Christ. And then what, what brought me here was Youth for Christ. I started working uh, in campus work 
for uh, 17 years doing uh, campus reaching out to lost high school kids and middle school kids, training up staff, uh, and then the last seven years working as executive director. And that was prior to me uh, getting involved with international missions. Uh, friends of ours had gone from a church and just came back floating two feet off the ground telling stories of what had happened in, in Russia. I said, uh, settle down, tell me what happened. And then I, then I got connected with E3 Partners uh, that they had gone with, and uh, that kind of changed the direction of where we spent ministry. So now we've been with E3 for 24 years, uh, and then uh, and where we met Alan was at CBC. Uh, CBC actually asked me as a uh, E3 partner staff to lead a team to Haiti, and then after that team, uh, they said, would you come on staff and do it here? And uh, so I got to enjoy working at CBC for five years as missions pastor. So, Wow. And I, I didn't know this back then. I just thought you were the missions pastor to go to when we went on, like when I went to Moldova, you know, I would go to you because you were the guy that, that said okay or no or whatever it was or, or with any help. Well, so. it, it was a blessing to be a part of that. So we're, we're excited and uh, we'll tell you a little bit more at the right time, a little bit about what's currently going. Yeah. Um, so... Now, when I, um, it, it, my mind is foggy. I, it's, it really is foggy. It's so funny. I had this little energy thing to make me think clearer. But, you know, maybe sometimes it's just hard. You know, a nine-hour nine air flight is, is long. Actually, we spent 21 hours getting from uh, Europe to here. Yeah, it, it takes a while, just traveling yeah. across the pond and all the, all the connections. Yeah, our last leg, uh, my wife and I slept in, uh, slept. We sat in different seats, and so she would say to me, "Did you sleep at all?" <laughs> so it was kind of interesting. We we just came back, and it's interesting. Um, I was noticing that something that you do with E three partners. Now you you have a ministry that goes all over the world, and you develop churches right home churches right and uh tell us about the home church structure and the countries that use home church and if you can't say any particular countries we i totally understand us on that program uh we do uh, have that at time to time that i don't mention them but tell us a little about that well just start with the idea of what what christ instead of just talking about house churches really it's kind of talk about who Christ is and what he did. And when he came, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And uh, you see the birth of the church at Pentecost uh, and uh, 3,000 believers come to know Christ. And then they met daily in the temple courts and then house to house. So the early structure of the church uh, was to use whatever is available to, to meet, to gather in Jesus' name. And for 300 years, uh, the, the church grew uh, all during the, the times that we read in biblical times, they were meeting in homes. Uh, in fact, the only facility I know of uh, was that they used in Ephesus was the School of Tyrannus for a period of time to launch people and launch movement. So G God has used a movement of people just like you and I to use where we live uh, and uh, have a target of being able, how do we reach our neighbors? Uh, the term that was used in scripture, the Greek term is oikos, which means household, relationships. And we see like the Philippian jailer and his 
household trusting Christ or Cornelius and his household. So the idea of the sphere of influence that people have uh, to, to meet and to gather around those natural relationships. And so we see it in biblical times. We see it in church history uh, being a, a birth of movements uh, that are happening. They're tracking uh, just movements. I think they're tracking like 1,400 movements in the world today that are getting 1,000-plus believers in a three-year period uh, where you have 100 house churches or more growing, and those ha- happen in four generations or more. So there's God's doing something. He's done something in history, uh, in the, the biblical time, in history, but also he's doing something globally even today. And uh, just to, just to kind of give you a, uh, a narrow view uh, of just one country that I'm, I'm working currently in is Uganda. And since January, uh, just training the staff online, since we haven't been able to travel a lot, uh, they have started 1,400 house churches in Uganda across, uh, really across the 133 provinces in Uganda. Um, and so it's just normal people like you and me learning how to share with their neighbor and when they say yes to Jesus, knowing what to do, how to share the, the, the gospel, how to share and disciple new believers, how to gather them. And uh, one of the uh, missionary stories I love to tell about movements that's happening now was uh, out of China. And this is in our time, 2001 to 2010, they tracked 180,000 house churches out of one movement it's a missionary uh, that was a Taiwanese missionary that was working in China for this time. They saw 180,000 churches begin. Now, these churches are 15 to 25 in size. And they said, well, what's the health of that movement? And they tracked it to 19 generations and found it to be a healthy, growing wow. generation. That's incredible. And so we're, we're seeing that around the world. Uh, <clears throat> not, maybe not as extensive as that type of movement, but it's exciting. Uh, I would say 10 years ago, they were saying, could that happen in America? Um, and uh, as they started uh, a missionary in Nepal, Jeff Sundell, who's a part of our E3 team, uh, came back from uh, the, as a missionary with the IMB, International Mission Board of the Baptist Church, seeing a movement in Nepal, came back to North Carolina where he lived and said, what could God do here? And that led to about 60 U.S. cities that are participating in what is a movement we're calling No Place Left, what would it look like to finish the task of the gospel reaching every people and having a church in every people group? And so we're seeing it across 60, 80 nations that I know of that we're seeing movement, and then uh, in the U.S. in about 60 U.S. cities. And every stage from the beginning stages of just gospel seed sowing where people are out sharing their faith on a regular basis, uh, my wife and I were out this morning. We prayer walk every day, and uh, we, we always look for who God may put across our path. We met a young man named Nolan uh, who was in Breckenridge Park. He was biking from Nevada. Uh, he's, that's a long bike trip. We met him and shared Christ with him, and he wasn't ready yet to, share, to, to trust Christ, but he's going to be in for a couple more days. And we said, hey, can we do coffee in a day? Yeah, let's do that. His dad's going to come in on, on Saturday, and we're hopefully you get with him as well. So just equipping people to, to share the story of Jesus, 
to share their testimony of changed lives. And then when a person responds, knowing what to do. And, and that's what we do is that uh, equipping people to feel confident and competent to share the good news of Jesus. You know, it's interesting. Um, besides a Bible teacher, I'm also a health nut. and uh, Not health nut. No, I'm not. I eat pizza. <laughs> See, I told you I was foggy. Um, I'm a history. I guess the two H's, you know, health and history. I'm a history buff, and I've taught history in school and so forth. But the interesting thing is reading about the early, like, first and second century, right. you know, and um, you always wonder, I always wondered how the early church began on Sundays, and and here you read that they were in homes, you know, I guess in the temple courts and in their homes. And when they were persecuted and drug out of the homes on the Sabbath, which was the Saturday, you know, they moved it to Sunday so they can try to hide from the persecution, which became your home churches. And that's when it began, and it is in the early church. So it has roots all the way back to the disciples. Yeah, the you'll, you'll see Paul writing the letters, and he'll say, and greet the church that meets in your home. Yeah. You'll see that numerous times, and then you'll even see uh, believe, uh, Jewish uh, people of faith that uh, after trusting Christ, going right next door, I think it was Crispus, uh, that uh, he, after he was synagogue leader, uh, trusted Christ, and he started a house church next door to the synagogue. Yeah. Uh, so God has used people just to say, instead of thinking, <clears throat> let's spend millions of dollars in buildings, and I'm definitely not against buildings, but I highly recommend people to use what God's given you. Yeah. You know, I work with uh, Campus Crusade for Christ in Moldova uh, pretty extensively. And um, they build, their, they have a program where they're trying to build home churches and they have a goal of trying to do a certain amount of home churches and then they duplicate them once they get too big or big enough. And they train the leaders to take on the new home uh, church. Well, it's interesting because uh, one of the one of the uh, missionaries I work with, uh, Radu and Luda Kukosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I, I've met Radu. Uh-huh. Okay, um, <clears throat> he got called one time from a uh, in a little town that I I got to go teach their teenagers and would, gave a message to their home church one weekend. The first weekend I was there this time, and they had like sixteen teens and thirty people in their home church. Huge, and I'm thinking they called him because they needed want somebody to help um, guide them along, and they, they didn't even come out of Campus Crusade. They came out of a, something totally different, and now they've taken them under their wing to to, to work with this. Well, that, that's what we're seeing, Alan, around the world is is just when people start and they realize, hey, I can do this. The Holy Spirit's given me, is giving me the words, giving me the Spirit of God, and. Uh, and to, to be able to start a new group. And then when someone says, how do I do that? You just learn from each other. It was that Paul to Timothy model. It's not the, the thing that you learn in a seminary. You learn it in practice. Yeah. Well, and I believe that, um, I don't know, back in the early 90s when the, the small group thing started, I think that was really the idea because churches were getting to be bigger and you had less accountability, less uh, connection with people. So let's start the home church, or Bible, what do they call it? the small groups, yep. I think mm-hmm. is what they call them. 
But really, that's a home church. That's your little right. Bible study because you have accountability. You have real ministry there uh, that I see opposed to walking into a big building where there's, well, for you and me, 5,000 people or 3,000 people. You sing a song, you hear a sermon, and you leave. It, that's not real ministry to me. And, and yeah, you connect with people in a small setting. Yeah. And I think it's um, research on small groups between 8 and 15 people is really where you can really have intimacy and also track and accountability. And that's, a, that's something that's really hard to do in, in a large uh, gathering is accountability. And so you talk with most of the pastors here in San Antonio and you ask them, uh, how, how are you doing with discipleship? Uh, and they realize that what they do on Sundays is, is just an open the door and discipleship happens when they get their people gathering in small groups. But we found that uh, in that simple small group fashion, we, we call it three-thirds where we kind of do a discovery Bible study, but we kind of help train them to both reflect on and, and help build accountability, but also each week practice and set goals so that it's different than, it, actually it's different than just a Bible study in a home because they're practicing all the things you do in church. Yeah. And that from... from uh, uh, baptizing new believers to equipping them to to disciple uh where it's just birthing people to be the church where they are and you know it's, it's interesting i had a small group uh, back when robert emmett was our pastor i had a small group there in stone oak and we um and i had this small group since 2000 and well 1999 or 2000 and we've had we mostly met with food you know we met we Everybody brought something for a potluck. We had our Bible study. Um, we had prayer requests. We've had baptisms. And it was just a regular small church. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the week on, you know, Sunday, we come and have our celebration in, in the large yeah. sanctuary. And that was really cool. I really liked that. And I think that if anything Robert did for us was to get the mindset of we need those small groups. I think that's the one thing that... Uh, uh, great pastors across our city and across the nation here and those listening in other places realize that one of your main roles is to equip the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. And what a great way is to launch your people. Yeah. Uh, to give them and equip them to know what to do in those settings. And because their friends and family may never come to the building distance or whatever it might be or, or, or different cultures, um, different parts of town, they can't get to that area. Uh, but what if they equipped them and launched them yeah. to affect their whole uh, family, friends, and neighbors and gather and train them? I mean, that would be the great dream of every pastor is to launch your people on mission. That really is. E3 Partners, let's go ahead and talk to us and tell our audience, what is E3 Partners? What do you do? And, you know, where does your arm reach to? I mean, obviously you reach into several countries, which is obviously several continents. Let us... Give us an idea, a picture of this. Well, history-wise, uh, it started with the birth of a, a pastor that was doing ministry in Mexico, doing uh, mission trips there. Uh, one week, uh, or one on one mission trip, they were doing ministry outside of a city that they were partnering in, and hundreds trusted Christ and looked at the pastor and said, these people can't come back to your church like we normally do. Where are they going to meet? And he says, I'll bring one of my young guys I've been training. He'll move to the city, and we'll start a new church. And start the, so that birth, it was like 1987, birthed the idea that short-term missions and church planting could work hand-in-hand. Hand. 
So that was the, the birth of E3 Partners back in 87. Uh, and then from that, it's grown to um, probably 200 countries around the world that has we have short-term teams in to help uh, be a catalyst to church planting. But to the teams, besides the teams, we have training to train the pastors and leaders uh, and equipping them to start the movement. Just like I haven't been able, because of COVID, to personally lead a team for over a year into Uganda, and yet the team members in Uganda, Africans, uh, Ugandans, are now reaching there, reached 53,000 friends and family this last year. They started 1,400 house churches. Wow. And so giving a, a pattern, and Paul had a pattern, pattern of ministering, a pattern of training. In fact, he told him, he says, uh, watch the pattern that I do. And so there is a, a pattern to be able to help encourage someone to grow in their faith and then gather their friends and family and be the church in that neighborhood extending the gospel. Well, I noticed that you're in Asia, you're in Africa, you're even in the United States. That's right. So we need it badly here. In fact, uh, we were training, uh, Janelle and I, my wife, uh, we traveled out to Birmingham uh, back uh, in August, helping a movement uh, get, catalyze a movement there in in, uh, South Alabama. It's really going crazy, doing a great job. We'll be out in North Carolina coming up next weekend not this coming week. So the idea is God's working in cities across our nation. Uh, We've got friends and partners in Canada seeing it uh, literally uh, all across Canada. Uh, And so it's really fun to be able to see in just in North America. And we think of we're reached. But uh, George Borna on his research found that that in a North America context, only about 2% of North Americans are sharing their faith on a regular basis which means 98% are not sharing. Uh, And in our city, if you start thinking of the 2.1 million people uh, and maybe uh, 1.7 of those million are lost, so you start thinking the the Christians that are available, the the 7 to 10% that are Christians, if only 2% of them know how to share their faith and, and are actually actively doing that, then... How will we reach the loss? How will we reach the other 1.7 million in our city? So so equipping more to be able to send them and empower them to be the church where they are. I noticed something when I was in Moldova. uh, uh, These missionaries that we stayed with, this isn't this time, but in the past, they would reach out to the people in their uh, apartment building or the apartment building next to them. If they noticed people who were hungry or who were hurting or didn't have work, they would help them, give them clothing or give them food or even give them money to help them out. And I've seen some of these same people that were helped. Now they're okay and they're attending yep. their home church. I'm like, this is what ministry is. Yep. One of the problems we have that I think in the United States is we tend not to know our neighbors or even look at them if they're mm-hmm. having a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think there's where ministry is lacking. Yeah, I think that uh, one of the the stats that I heard on neighborhoods, you think about uh, U.S. neighborhoods, uh, about 40% of them are open to to going to a traditional church. So that means about 60% of the neighborhoods we live in, the suburban neighborhoods around San Antonio and beyond, aren't, aren't interested in traditional church, but are interested in conversations about Jesus if a neighbor... I met them. 
we're finding that percent is even worse when you look at apartment complexes. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the apartment <clears throat> complex stats is at like 5% of apartment dwellers are interested in spiritual things or interested in traditional spiritual things, but about 70% are open. And this last two years, we've seen uh, ministries and 12 apartment complexes kick off because people caught the vision Either they live in the apartment complex or in a church nearby apartment complex that the lost people are right next door. And even if I gave them an invitation to come to my building on Sunday mornings, they may not come. But they're very open to talk about Jesus and to follow him and to get to know him if we came to them. Yes. Which is what we'll talk about in the second part of the hour, what the the passages of the Great Commission. Yeah. So you just talked about working in Uganda. So... Uh, and not not being able to go there, how are you communicating with these people? Um, one of the the key contexts is is, is uh, through WhatsApp. That's uh, kind of a common way that uh, most Africans communicate with each other, and so they've got it on their phone. Uh, I I will download, we'll call, we'll do video calls uh, to key leaders, encouraging them. We track the the progress of what's going on through WhatsApp, and they they give pictures and, and reports, uh, and we do trainings. Uh, Zoom for those that have stronger uh, technology. We were on a Zoom with four African leaders yesterday, and and three or four uh, Americans, and doing a training and encouraging and hearing stories. So those are technology areas when you can't go, um, and then. Really, after you've trained, your goal is not to always think the Americans have the training. You've now trained people, so they're now trained. And so we've got uh, leaders, probably 40-plus leaders that, that what we call are multipliers. In other words, they already have done house churches, and under them, they, there are leaders that they've trained are doing house churches. So they have a, a network, some of them up to 100 house churches that they've started in the last year to year and a half. So what is your, I hate to word, use the word program, but your technique, your, to, when, let's say you have a house church, mm-hmm. okay, and it grows to, you say eight to ten is, is what, where you want it, and if it gets bigger, you have to split it to make a new house church. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't use the word split as much as motivate and encourage them to multiply. So you start thinking division always makes it makes it things like you're you're dividing the existing group. Uh, but what we do is say you had a group of ten people and two of them kind of go, hey, my friends can't come here. Uh, it's too far, the distance, the culture, whatever is the barrier. Well, you equip them, and then maybe I would go with them to their neighborhood and help them start it. But they may still attend my house church to learn how to do it and to to model it. And then, so that a lot of times they may be involved with a couple groups to learn where kind of a Paul to Timothy, where they're learning from me how to do it. In our house church uh, of about 12 people, uh, we've probably seen six house churches begin. Uh, so they, but they still attend our house church uh, because they get the nurture, the care, the, the coaching, and just the celebration of what God's doing in their neighborhoods. So when they struggle, uh, they come back with stories of how they need help. Uh, they are celebrating God's leading. And so we get stories all the time out, just out of our small house church, uh, what God's doing. So to empower and multiply rather than divide. 
Okay. And the reason I use divided is because that's, I guess that's what I've always learned is that you get to be too big, you've got to make it, keep it a little smaller, and then you divide that. So if it's, what you're talking about is I really like that. Yeah. I like that um, program. That's yeah, it, it's basically you start with helping people focus on the lost mm-hmm. and feel confident to share their story and Christ's story. We have a, a basic <clears throat> training we give to anybody, one-on-one or a small group. It goes through four questions. Uh, why should I share? What, who would I share with? What would I say? And when am I going to get started? And we found whether we're doing that over a coffee <clears throat> with somebody at Starbucks uh, or Black Rifle or whoever we're promoting these days, uh, <laughs> uh, the... the, the uh, uh, but the, the idea of you can train or a small group. In fact, we've got churches all the time that invite us to come and to train a group in their church how to catch the vision. Yeah. Another set of training that helps to build both the training and outreach is we'll do a gospel conversations training with the church, which is like a Saturday, kind of 9 to 3, that involves outreach. And we'll do that with the church like three times during a year, building that culture of outreach into a church. So we're definitely not uh, opposed to a traditional church. We're we're helping partner with churches to reach the community and multiply from house church to house church and legacy uh, brick-and-mortar church to house churches out into the communities. Empower the people to do the work of the ministry. You know, I, I, um, it's interesting because the only thing I'm really, I have a problem with in, in larger churches is when you have your leadership that don't have any accountability. Um, when a pastor can fire their own staff, or, or rather not just staff, but elders or whatever they want to do without accountability, that's where I have the issue because I think everybody needs accountability somewhere. Yeah, I think that... And accountability happens when when people desire it and are willing to receive and give it. Mm-hmm. And so the and you can do that in a smaller structure. Uh, you can have many accountable groups in a larger structure. But you're right; there, there needs to have that that personal accountability for both both sharing your faith and also just the uh, the idea of following Christ and how you're maturing and help helping each other follow Him more more clearly. Yeah. And I, and I understand there is accountability even in the early church. I mean, Peter, obviously, you know, we read about um, Paul chastising Peter for Peter's conduct. Yeah. You know, even the apostles had, you know, accountability to one another. And that story of Ananias and Sapphira was there kind of go. a heavy accountability thing going on there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but, but you're right. They, they held each other accountable as leaders with each other. And... Uh, what we find in a city is when you start to see movement, movement leaders kind of cross-pollinate and help each other uh, account. So like in San Antonio, we've been using that term, no place left, as a coalition of people, anyone that wants to reach the community and use similar tools to train and equip. and mo- But we get together on a re- pretty regular basis to, to check in on how things are going. And uh, one of the things we do with mid-levels when we train people that are already doing it, we call iron on iron. And we let people tell their story and where they're stuck and how do we help each other get unstuck in the movement in a city or area. Yeah. I, I like your mission. I think it's your mission where you have uh, three sections. It's equip, it's evangelize, and it's uh, establish. Right. Uh, one of the issues I've brought to the attention of one group one time is that you, you're 
giving the gospel, winning the Christ, and you say, all right, you're good, and they go on, and there's no, there's no establishing. And what I'm seeing in, in uh, A3 Partners is that you actually do establish. And once you've won these people to Christ, you know, you build it within them. Right. The equipping, you know, you start thinking of equipping people to share their faith. Um, that's a key aspect of, uh, of getting that 98% of Christians that aren't sharing, getting them more competent and confident to share. But then knowing what to do and people respond. Uh, when people say no, what do you do? Uh, when people say, "Hey, I'd like to know more," what would be a what, what? What could you do if a person is interested, but doesn't know what to do next? Uh, or and that's basically we're we're working with Nolan. Uh, we, we're going to share a story. I shared a story with him uh, at the on the park bench today uh, as we shared Christ, and then I just launched into a story to illustrate. And people are intrigued by stories. And uh, you'll find that uh, helping people grow in Christ, Jesus was, was a master storyteller. Uh, he used uh, active learning and, 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 and storytelling as ways to, to see if people were, how interested they were and if they were ready to go deeper. We find that still works, telling stories that Jesus told and, and your own personal story is great ways to launch an open the door to build relationship to share Christ and then disciple new believers. That's great. E3partners.org. There's your website. Yep. And uh, on your website, you have all kinds of information, I noticed. And you have, you have an area there where people need uh, to donate or to volunteer, right? Yeah. There's donates, volunteers. There's a section that it says training. Uh, and you, the training is, that we give is completely free. So it's on the website. You can just grab it and use it. But most of the time we found people work best when it's coached. And so you can actually connect with us and say, uh, hey, I'd like to have somebody come and train me. Uh, and so we do that all the time in the city and around. In fact, I got a, a contact from Kingsville from some churches that are talking about, hey, we'd like to get some of this training coming down. And so we, we just find when people are interested, whether uh, doing online training with them and through Zoom, or whether it's a live training where you come to a church and, and train them in, in a Saturday and then kind of deepen that relationship. So equipping is a key, key aspect. The second is the evangelize. You can equip people with a lot of tools, but the key aspect is to be able to equip people to be able to share the good news of Jesus and to to change the ringers. I know that you love the ringers on phones. I thought I'd turn that off. Um, <laughs> But uh, to equip people to share that good news and equip to make disciples. So that's a key aspect of evangelism is the key to opening a long-term relationship. When Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, he he didn't say that was a one-time shot. He carried those guys with him for three years. He invited them into relationship to train them. And we call it mauling, M-A-W-L, model, assist, watch, and launch. It's just leadership development. Jesus did that with his disciples. And so if you're calling a new person into doing what you're doing, they want to see what you're doing first. And that may be sharing their faith or, or it may be discipling a new believer. So they need to see it. And then you assist them to do it. Then you watch how they do it. And then you launch them as they are, have shown themselves faithful in those areas. Yeah. I think it's so, so important. I, uh, I, I've met people, and one in particular in my mind, where I was sharing the gospel, and this lady said, 
well, you know, Jesus was a sinner just like us and yada, yada, yada. And I said, well, you know, I started talking about salvation and heaven and so forth. And he said, oh, I'm saved. Well, what do you mean you're saved? Well, you know, I prayed that Jesus come in my heart, you know, 40 years ago. Maybe it was 30 years ago. And, uh, but I'm saved. And I said, but you don't believe that Jesus was God, that Jesus, was, he was just a sinner, and you don't believe the Bible is true. Well, yeah, I don't. So how do you think you're saved? Because that pastor told me that I was saved when I said this prayer, and that's all they had. Yeah. And that's that's a crime, I think, mm-hmm. to um, what a lot of people do. So it's really yeah, nice. In, in Scripture, it really says uh, repent and believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, others say repent and be baptized. The idea of uh, that the the statement of faith that, that has someone praying and realizing they're they're a sinner and needing to make that step is is just a first step. It's a baby step. Uh, it's a step. It's like when we met each other at CBC first time. You don't even you know you don't even recognize somebody. Then you meet them, but it's the goal is the deepening relationship. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus calls us into a deep relationship to be His ambassador. Second Corinthians five says. So the idea of 2 Corinthians 5.17 says if we accept that Christ, we're a brand new creation. Three verses later, we're his ambassadors. Those two things are two sides of the coin that he calls every believer to be a witness and an ambassador for him. And so it's not just an easy believism, say a prayer. It's saying, I have re- I've turned from trusting myself and I'm going to have a trusting relationship and what Christ did on the cross for me and his shed blood for my sin. And I'm going to follow him in his footsteps. So let's talk about the Great Commission. Okay. Okay. So Matthew 28, 18 to 20. I'm going to read this. Okay. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Jesus Uh, I'm sorry, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. When you see that passage and the timing of that, uh, of this great commission, uh, was as Jesus had he had died, he had been buried, he rose, he now had time with his disciples. And hear these last words of Jesus before he ascends, he reminds them, even though I physically am not going to be there, in verse 20 he says, I'm going to be with you always. But he, and he then started that verse in 19 that's saying, I've got all authority. So with him have authority in heaven and earth, he launches his disciples. And that great commission um, was for his disciples sitting on the mountaintop. But guess what? It's, up, it's for every believer, every disciple of Jesus mm-hmm. that he called people into. So what did he call us to do? One is to go. And you start thinking of the opposite of that. What's the opposite of that is us to stay and inviting people to come and find us to share. And rarely that happens. I mean, it does happen sometimes. People knock on your door. Uh, we actually had that happen two weeks ago. Uh, a family knocked on our door and said, didn't this house have something going on a few weeks ago? We weren't able to come and and our kids are here, and they want, they hear grandkids in the backyard. Uh, can we play with them? And, and so they came to us, which is rare. Most of the time, that go of the Great Commission is us 
to cross the culture, cross the divide of economics, cross racial culture, to love people in Jesus' name and present his name and his work to them. So what does it say? Go and make disciples. As we're following Jesus, we invite people to be followers of Jesus, to not just pray a prayer, but to follow him. But then that next step was baptize them. What, me? You? Yeah, he empowered every believer to lead people to Jesus and to and to give them that, that initiation of dying to that old life and living for Christ in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to initiate them into a, what's the next in that passage? Teaching them to obey. Yeah. So it's the idea of a walk of obedience. You're, you mentioned the accountability. It, it grows not just with pastors and leaders at high levels. It happens with every believer needs that accountability, and Christ knew that. Well, you know, and I'm, I'm wondering if sometimes maybe, I don't know, the word disciple is, is interesting because I, I think some people think that maybe a disciple is just somebody who is a believer, but what does that mean? You know, basically a disciple is, is a student, is somebody who follows. Yeah. To believe is an active verb, which means to actively follow the teachings mm-hmm. of the Bible, of God. And it's, it's an action verb. So really, when we say make disciples, we're talking about making some people who will actually follow, you know, choose to follow and become this. What, what does a student do? It becomes like their teacher. Right. And I think that that's, uh, I see more mission, missionary uh, organizations, I see more churches now, mostly in, in mission organizations, actually taking the role of creating disciples rather than just, you know, um, here you are, you say the prayer, thank you, goodbye. They're doing a lot better job lately. Yeah, well, that's that was the commission, is to, is to make disciples. And as you notice, it, as you said, it's more than just a uh, convert, a person that has has made an accusation. A, a point where they realize they need this salvation that Christ offers, but the person that, that follows him, he invited them, uh, you know, to follow follow him and he'll make you fishers of men. So the idea of discipleship is following the steps of Jesus, uh, and it was like a better word probably in our mindset would be apprentice. Uh, if you were a, a master uh, electrician, you you bring someone as a journeyman or an apprentice under you to learn that and then they test uh, with their skill set that they've learned Uh, too many times we think that teaching uh, is all and teaching and training is kind of a little different teaching is information that builds knowledge and knowledge is great to know the truth and to know it's accurate but we also need to train which trains skills and skills takes it takes repetition. If you had a skill to play a musical instrument or a sport, it takes repetition to build, develop that skill uh, in, uh, individually and then with others. And so when he calls us into a relationship, we are his disciple, but he involves us in making disciples. So it's a community. And that's where the church was meant to birth out of, a community of people following Jesus together and helping and and being like iron sharpening iron, encouraging each other. When someone falls, you lift them up. When they are doing great, you celebrate. Yeah. And I've 
I teach this a lot. I say this a lot in a lot of the areas I go to, even on this program, that uh, I encourage people to read the book of 1 John because 1 John teaches us about how we live in the community and how it's utmost importance. And in uh, Ephesians 4, why do we gather together? Well, it's to equip, it's to build up, it's to pray for and, and help each other to go out and, and be strong and build the, the kingdom of God. And here you have the two areas, and it's all there. Yeah, so this this great commission is, and, and if we look at it historically, it truly was what Christ initiated to birth out of that that Israeli area to, to birth to the nations. And we see that at Acts 2 when the church was birthed, them all the nations that had come to Jerusalem for the Pentecost celebration, then equipping, bringing them, and then launching them back out. They took the gospel. But then we see that a little few, a few chapters later with Paul, uh, the church of Antioch that had been birthed out of uh, this beginning movement, then the Holy Spirit coming and saying, uh, set apart uh, Barnabas and Saul for yeah. the ministry you have. Then you start to see that that spreading throughout the Roman Empire through southern Galatia uh, over to Macedonia, down to Greece, back to Asia Minor, and then to the point that in, in Romans 15, uh, he looks back, Paul looks back at his ministry, and he says, there's no, and I think it's verse 23, that he's finished the task in Asia Minor, and he's going to move on. And he says, I've done ministry from Jerusalem to Illyricum. Uh, and so this strong spans of this probably 8 to 15 years of ministry of Paul, expanding that work across the, 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 the empire, but then finishing the task. I think it's Acts 18, verses 9 and 10. And it says, all of Asia heard the gospel. So what, what a great vision yeah. to be able to take this and and the listeners here all have a context they live in, uh, a city, a community, a county. Some have a vision for their state. But to start where you are in, in Jesus, in another Great Commission passage, Acts 1.8, he said that when the Holy Spirit come, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So to go and make disciple the nations, start where you are and then build out from there. And that could start with people listening here, thinking of your neighbors, your family, friends, and neighbors. And then you start thinking of where you live uh, and then maybe the, the city that you live in that you could partner with others to reach and then beyond. Yeah, yeah. Now, you gave me a second uh, verse here to read, and we'll talk about it. Okay. Second Timothy 2, 2. And it says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So you think that this is Paul talking. So Paul is initiating, he's writing to one of his disciples named Timothy. Timothy probably heard the gospel on his first missionary journey in Lystra. He picks him up on his second missionary journey and takes him uh, and models for him ministry and then equips him to be uh, a minister of the gospel and then uh, carried his letters and then proclaimed and taught and finally pastored and equipped the movement. So he's, so when you start thinking of Paul talking to Timothy, Second Timothy is Paul's second letter. 
It's his, probably his last letter that he wrote. Paul's in prison. He is looking forward to, uh, well, I'm not sure that's the right words, but the idea is it's coming soon that he will, he will be dead. He will be, he will be martyred for his faith. And so who does he write to? His disciple. A disciple that took the gospel and furthered it in, in Asia. Uh, you know, and he was probably, Timothy was probably pastored early the Ephesian church and extended the movement uh, in that particular area. So Paul to Timothy, but he says to Paul, to, says to Timothy, find faithful or reliable people. Mm-hmm. So Timothy is doing the work and says, of the work you're looking for, uh, of the work you're doing, look for people who are catching it and practicing it. Spend more time with them. Find those reliable people. Train them to reach others. So when we think of disciples, discipleship shouldn't think of one generation. Paul actually was thinking four generations. His, his disciple, disciples, disciple. And uh, he modeled that. He actually learned it from Jesus when Jesus at the, the, uh, the Last Supper, when he was with his disciples, in John 17, verse 20, he is praying the high priestly prayer over his disciples. And he's saying, I pray for them, but not only for them, but also for those that will hear the message through them. Jesus was praying for his disciples, disciples, disciple. He's praying for us. Mm-hmm. So when we lead people to Christ, we should start praying for their disciples and their disciples that would come. And it gives us a long-term vision. You were talking about the people stopping the gospel at a person praying the prayer. But if you stay people, stay with people long enough to see your disciples, disciple, disciple, you're thinking long-term investment into lives. Yeah. I remember when I uh, first became a believer, I was 16-something years old, and uh, I was so excited. I went to the parks. I took a friend with me or two friends with me, and we would go bother people on blankets having picnics and I would talk to them you know ask them do you know where you're going if you die today and I had no training I didn't even have a bible (laughs) I just was excited and then I think eventually I just started to learn more to understand more to because I know I said some things probably that weren't real accurate (laughs) What about people and I, you know, have never heard the Bible? Oh, they're going to hell because they didn't trust in Jesus, you know. And so I had to really learn. Whoa, I need, you know, back that up. Let me retrain myself. And um, but that excitement, you know, hopefully should live on with people. I mean, yeah, it, exactly. You you should, and that's that's the thing with the disciple. You help them. Uh, how will they learn? Uh, you you, you kind of. You, you got the zealousness and knowing that you're supposed to do it. You went to go share with what, what you knew at the time. But if you had a, a disciple that said, hey, go with me, and, and he trained you how to engage a conversation. Yeah. And we're finding a lot of times people, that's the hardest thing to, to, is open a conversation. How do you begin? But it's really neat. When I had a friend of mine, one of my disciples uh, named John, um, and he said, you know, I didn't, I went to trainings and heard what to do, but until I went to a door or went with my my friend that was mentoring me and I saw him do it and I realized, ah, I can do that. It was such a barrier until he saw it. So that's a part of discipling. An apprentice, uh, 
you don't invite an apprentice to go work on your electrical work uh, with never having seen you uh, do that as a, as a master craftsman. And so they see you do it and then the small task. And so we, we need to take the people every step of the way. And I find that those are basically four or five steps in Jesus' pattern. One is Jesus came into lost worlds. He came into, was it Luke 19.10? Son of man came to seek and save the lost. So he was coming into the world to seek lostness. And then he invited his disciples to come into that lost world with him. And they saw him engage lostness. They saw him proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. They saw him as he called people to follow him and make disciples. They saw early church formation. Now, that was kind of the early things that would gather as he was discipling for them and then equipping them. But he also had leadership development. You think Jesus involved entry, gospel sharing, discipleship, church gathering, and leadership development. And every ministry that is following Jesus should have that thorough view of equipping people to the point of leadership development, starting with where they are, not knowing Christ, all the way to the point of using their gifts and leadership. Sounds like a book. <laughs> yeah, it's called the Bible. <laughs> but yeah, there is a, a variety of great tools out there and people that have followed the, the story of Jesus and watched how he did it and then communicated yeah. that out. Um, and, and I think that's really true. I think we're, when, we, when we see this, uh, the idea of equipping, and then we have the idea of uh, those who are equipped to evangelize, uh, the establishing is huge. Mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely so important that we uh, we become established and we teach others to establish. Yeah, that, that idea of establishing the church. Um, when you think you establish something, you're building a foundation, you're helping help it to grow and to mature off of that. And we're finding that, uh, that establishing both is in, in doctrine, because people say, well, how do you know that they're teaching the right things. Well, you stay with people longer and you help give them the tools to grow at the stage they need. You help to establish truth in their life. But you also find that when you look at even Acts 2, a birth of new church, what did they do in Acts 2 verses 42 through 47? Well, they they baptized new believers. They met and, and opened the word and, and discussed what the apostles teachings were so they were getting into the word new leaders were starting as people opened the homes the miracles were happening they they actually sold possessions to help each other with needs they were proclaiming the gospel so much there were praise going on prayer going on and it says people were believing the lord daily those that were being saved so so when you start thinking of those elements praise prayer leadership development uh, uh, love and commitment, sacrifice, those are elements of healthy church. So establishing a the church that's growing in a home or into a neighborhood, we use the same elements. Yeah. Helping to see, because a Bible study may do the word and, and uh, maybe praise uh, and prayer, 
But is that maybe, is that all it needs? No, it needs to share the gospel. It needs to develop new leaders. It needs to uh, care and, and be committed to each other. So that just takes a process of helping establish, takes time to help it grow firm and mature. Yeah, and, and, and in my case, you know, it took a lot of time. <laughs> Probably because I was really immature for a long time. But... Um, you know, I, I think that as I look back and I look across areas that uh, um, to help me learn today, it has a lot to do with the idea that Jesus, what Jesus, what he did in, in his ministry. I mean, he had three and a half years of this ministry that he developed these disciples that took their lifetime and to develop other disciples, and um, it changed the world literally changed the world literally and it, and it's interesting that the jesus that walked the earth two thousand years ago sent the holy spirit he's he's still impacting cultures today um as we see that and the so that's a great thing about our savior and it's not about a lot of times we can talk today about a ministry or church planting movements and different things really this is all jesus who said in Matthew 18, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And it starts with salvation. It starts with making disciples and then launching them. And what we can fall back on is that it's not us doing it. It's Jesus doing it. And us participating with Jesus to see uh, the gospel go out and that every people could hear and every culture could have a disciple-making movement, a church-planting movement in that culture. Yeah, and I, I agree 100%. It's, it's all about Jesus. Jesus at the center. Jesus, you know, is all in all. Um, I like the words in Colossians where it says Jesus is, is the pre, preeminence. He mm-hmm. is the supreme, absolute all in all. Mm-hmm. And I think once we understand that, I teach... Um, Pretty much, Jesus is at the center of all things, mm-hmm. whether it be our relationships, whether it be our, our life, our stewardship of life is when Jesus is at the center, then everything that we have within our life that God brings us is there, and Jesus is at the center of all those relationships. And I'm not talking about people, I'm talking about hobbies and your job and your church. Everything you do is, you know, is that when Jesus is at the center. And I think that's so important to understand that. Um, I, I think that uh, when we get away from that is when we begin to uh, have problems, when, we, when things hurt. But as long as we remember that, focus on Jesus, keep focusing on Jesus, Jesus at the center, I, I think it is, you're right, it's, it's all about Jesus. You know, and uh, and what's neat is that it says in Matthew twenty four fourteen, this gospel of the kingdom uh, is going to be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Jesus let his disciples know that it will be done. And how is it going to be done? Jesus is going to do it. And for those that are listening today, he's going to do it through those that say yes. That say, I want to join you, Jesus, on this mission to make disciples of the nations. And he's going to accomplish it. He'll either accomplish it with someone else or you and me. Yeah. And we get to say yes 
to that commission to be a part of his disciple-making movement across the world. And that's exciting. And I'm all in. How about you? Absolutely. You bet. It's interesting. I, um, my wife and I spent the last 18 days in Moldova um, teaching, preaching, teaching, more teaching. <laughs> it, was, it was a daily thing. It was really, really awesome. And, you know, when you're looking at, uh, we were actually able to meet the vice president of Campus Crusade. He came to Moldova, a uh, guy from Ethiopia. He's the vice president. And he was really encouraging. He was really a neat guy. Talked about the, how God is working in Ethiopia as well. But, you know, when I'm, I'm there and I see that here's a country that's open to the Lord Jesus. He says something really interesting that I've always felt, I just never said it, is that, you know, you're very, the whole country's open to Jesus, but we don't know for how long. Yeah. And that's important. We, we need to take it by the horns where we're here. Because, you know, we look at our country today, United States, we're not as open to Jesus as a lot of places in the world are. And uh, that's why we have missionaries coming to our country. So, you know, it's great to have you, John. It's just an honor to have you on my program, I have to tell you. So, well, it's a blessing to be with you and just hear what God's doing and say yes. So thanks for letting me be Absolutely. with you today. Well, thank you for coming. And thank you for joining us. Uh, everybody have a wonderful day, a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. Aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.